All right, all right. Good morning, High Desert Word Center. How is everybody on a beautiful springtime Sunday morning? Amen. Isn't it a good day to be in the house of the Lord? Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and stand up together today. We're going to open up just like we always do by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America because we're going to declare and decree that America's coming to Jesus no matter what it looks like we walk by faith amen so let's go ahead and we're going to speak these words of faith together today father we come to you in Jesus name and in unity we confess that Jesus Christ is lord over the United States of America we declare that righteousness mercy Justice and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today. All right, now I've got to welcome a very special visitor. You guys may or may not know this guy, but his name is Frank Casillas. He's back, everybody, so, yeah. (laughs) And Miss Veronica is also with us. We get both of them today, so we are so spoiled, but... We missed him. They've been up in Washington for the last while, and we missed him a lot, but he's here, and uh, we're happy about that. So praise God. Give him a hug today. And what we're going to do now is take a few minutes like we always do, do a little meet and greet time, go say hello to somebody, shake some hands, and if you're cool with it, give some hugs, but let's feel the love today. Amen. Let's go.
see the light. No longer I believe. Now Jesus lives in me. For I was dead in sin, but I woke up to see the sing light. Sing all this. Sing all. Mother's Day weekend, men. It's Mother's Day weekend. 
And so that's going to be this Sunday. Of course, you got to be ready for this. You got to be ready. Uh, we're going to have a gift for every single mom this coming Sunday. And of course, we got a few extra prizes up our sleeve, a few extra things going on. So be here. It's going to be a huge celebration of all the moms because we are blessed with the best moms in all the world. Who believes that today? The HDWC. Now this Saturday, okay, Saturday is the mother-daughter banquet at 11 a.m., and today's the last day to register. So uh, the tickets are $12 for adults, $10 for kids 10 and under. The theme is singing in the rain, and there's going to be, of course, food. Uh, there's a costume contest for rain-themed things, and you're like, well, I live in the desert. I don't own anything. You're going to have to get really creative, okay? But get creative, ladies, and uh, and it's going to be singing in the rain. There's prizes and gifts and all sorts of great stuff, but stop at the info booth where Miss Kathy is standing, and there's a QR code you can uh, scan on your phone and get signed up, but don't miss out. It's going to be absolutely awesome. And then further down the road in May, we are really happy to be welcoming uh, Ray Bench from Midland, Michigan with us. Amen. Yes. Now, um, Ray is one of our all-time favorites. He's been here a hundred times over the years, but we've never had his wife with us. And so we, his wife doesn't usually travel with him, but we said she's got to come to Barstow. She would just love it. And so she is coming to Barstow with him for the first time ever. And we're really excited about this. And um, so she'll be here with him. Uh, it'll be uh, May the 22nd and 23rd. Now, on the Saturday, she's going to be doing a, um, a what the young wives and mom, <laughs> the young wives and moms group is going to meet at Pastor Katie and I's house. And so that's where you know, if you're in that category, uh, um, Janine is going to be doing a Bible study and some encouragement time with all the young wives and moms. So don't miss out on that. We're really excited. And then of course that Sunday, Ray is doing both services uh, for us here at the church. And so it's going to be absolutely awesome. And then one more thing for the month of May, uh, we're going to be having the Lift family picnic at the park. Yeah. Cletus, are you excited? Look at that excitement. Calm down. We need you to calm down. All right. But um, anyway, Frank, calm down. Contain yourself. Uh, but it's going to be uh, Monday, May 23rd at 630 at the H Street Park. Bring some food for your family, maybe a little bit extra to share. We're going to have a good time hanging out, maybe playing some games and, and just fellowshipping. But High Desert Word Center is a what? A family church. And we are doing everything we can to invest into your family, to make your marriage better, to make your parenting better, and make your whole household everything that God wants it to be. Amen? And so we're giving everything we can to this. And the final thing Robert wanted me to tell you is there's no softball practice today, all right? Are anybody going to cry over that? I see some tears, all right? And and he, not only that, he can't have it next week because it's Mother's Day and some of the moms threatened him with a slap. And so he said, no, we're not going to have it. Uh, but uh, after that, after that, he said every week, rain or shine, mainly shine, but every week, uh, wind or not, uh, we're going to have softball practice because they want to get this thing going, all right? So uh, no today and no next week, but after that, it is on like Donkey Kong. Can somebody say amen? I'm a child of the 90s, and that's why I speak this way. All right. Well, we want to welcome a very special group of people with us today. If you are with us for the first time, or maybe the first time in a long time, we want to welcome you. We've got a gift for you. If you could slip your hand up real quick, we want to say hey to you. All right. Come on. Now, have. Yeah. 
And hey, I don't want to put anyone on the spot, but this is my next door neighbors, and I don't want to embarrass them, but they, hey, they're, listen. Yes. Amen. So I'll tell you what, we live on the coolest street in all of Barstow. I'm just going to say that right now. And this man makes the best pizza in the high desert, all right? So <laughs> he owns a pizza, and so, so they're doing a great job. But I'm glad they're with us today, and praise God. What's going to happen is there's a little info card in there. If you could fill that out and give it back to our welcome team right after the service, she'll be standing up here by the stage. And then uh, we got a gift for you, and we'll send you an email this week with some more info on the church, all right? Well, praise God. Who knows what time it is now? It is happy time. Amen. Let's have Pastor come on up. And we are going to do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings, and we call it happy time because God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. Amen. All right, let's do this. Hallelujah. Alex and Adriana, where are you? Amen. Church family, come up. Not not all the church family, just this church family. Their last name's Church. <laughs> Open up your Bibles to Malachi chapter three, and what, I want to show you a few verses here you're probably familiar with. But then we have the Living Translation standing here before us, right before us. That they have a living testimony of the benefits of being a person that pays your tithes to God. Malachi chapter three. I'm just going to go through this kind of quickly, but maybe you've never heard this before. And if you have heard it, you need to hear it again to help your faith get built up. Amen. Verse 8 says, Will a man rob God? And he says, Yet you have robbed me. But you say, Where have we robbed thee? He said, In tithes and offerings. And I think a lot of Christians don't realize there's between a tithe and an offering. And you know, let me just give you a real good example. How many... How many uh, this is a setup question now. I usually don't set you up, but this is a setup question now. There's only one right answer. How many believe that if you're a person that pays tithes to God, you have seed in the ground? Uh oh, Pastor Dave, you answered wrong. You missed that one. Now let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Back in Indiana, the Lord gave me a really good example one time to help people. Back in Indiana, we're farm country. Let's easily see what seed is out there. We're not deserts, farms. And so I asked one of the farmers one Sunday, I said, bring me in a bunch of corn so I can show people the difference between a tithe and an offering. And so I got the corn laid out, and I had ten ears. And God said 10% belongs to him. And so if you give one ear of corn to God as your tithe, you've got how many left? Nine. Is there any seed in the ground? No. Because God got the first ear. So how much seed could you possibly plant then? Nine. If you want to plant it, but you don't plant it all, you got to eat some. And do things with it. And so if God gets the first 10%, there's no seed in the ground. That was God's anyway. So then the offering is anything out of those nine you have left, out of the 90% that's left, that's the offering money, however much you choose you want to give as an offering. So if you give God one, that's not an offering, that's God's anyway. So you've got nine left. And so if you choose, you want to give it all, then you don't have anything to eat. You don't have anything to pay bills with. And so whatever you get for an offering, you've got to allow what's left over for your bills, your food, and everything else. And so that's the way it works. You give God the first ear, and then you start planting if you want to. Amen? So can you see the difference between a tithe and an offering? And so Christians that say, I've got seed in the ground. Well, if all you did is pay the tithe, you don't have seed in the ground. 
You just did what the Bible says a Christian is supposed to do. You gave God 10%, and then what's left over is your business. Give offerings, eat it, pay bills, whatever you want to do. But if you want seed in the ground, then what you've got left over after the tithe, then you see what you're going to do. Amen. Does everybody see that real plain? That's how it works. You need to know that. And until I really got the revelation on that myself years ago, I always thought, man, I got seed planted. Then the Lord showed me I didn't have seed planted. So I started planting seed. We've done very well since then. So anyway, he says, Then because you've robbed him, you're cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me even this whole nation. God is not the cursor Satan is. There's a curse on the earth. And when you become a tither, and then especially a giver, you're breaking free from the curse. That's what frees you from the curse. He said, Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now here with saith the Lord of hosts, if I'm not open you the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing that shall not be enough to receive it. And what that means is this. When you become a consistent, you get in the flow a bit of tither. That's just, just as surely as you breathe, just as surely as you get up every morning, lay down every night. It's just your habit. When you're blessed with an income, whatever you've got, you just don't even think about it. God gets 10%. Well, then you're in the blessing flow. You're in that blessing world. And then God says... I rebuke the devourer for your sakes. How many know who the devourer is? Jesus said in John 10, 10, Satan comes to steal, kill, destroy, not God. Jesus said, I come for you to have and enjoy life and be blessed in abundance. He's the blesser. And so he says that the devourer then shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Well, the fruits of your ground, because we're not farmers, the fruits of our ground is what we buy with our income. That could be your car. That could be your house. That could be money to bless your kids with. Whatever it is, that's your fruits. That's what you have. And so it says, I rebuke the devourer, not destroy your fruits. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time the field saith the Lord of hosts. And then God says, all nations will call you blessed. That means people that look at you will call you blessed because you're like some land. That's the will of God for people looking at Christians and don't say, oh, I feel sorry for poor old Mike and Betty. You know, they're Christians. They don't have anything. Poor old Mike and Betty. They just have bad luck. They, no, God doesn't want people to look at Christians and think, well, you know, they're church people. That's why they don't have anything. He wants people to look at church people, Christian people. Say, look at Mike and Betty. I wonder if there's any connection that they're church people, that they're blessed. I, wa- I wonder. I wonder. Or something bad happens. And nothing comes out of it on your side to hurt you and say, oh, man, they're so lucky. No, it's not luck. It's the blessing. And now I want these guys here to give a little testimony. Where's our mic that we use up here, Pastor Dave? And this is a real fresh testimony. Just tell what happened and then tell what happened immediately after what Jesus did for you. For sure, we have God's covering over our whole family of six kids. Uh, we were we just purchased a new family vehicle, and myself and my son were driving down the street heading home on this Friday. And um, a vehicle basically ran his stop, and we T-boned him. And my son didn't have a seatbelt. He was in the front seat. His airbag deployed. Mine didn't. But the airbag never touched him. He didn't fly out of his seat, and he even said, like, Mom, 
that was like the biggest bear hug I've ever gotten. And he was like, was that God? And I'm like, yeah, Pop, that's God. And, <laughs> and um, you know, so we're both okay, but now our family of eights without a vehicle, and he had no insurance. Um, we had just gotten it, so ourselves, we didn't even insure it right away. And, you know, so, like, we could have just panicked and stressed out and maybe blamed each other. And, you know, instead, like, we just, we're believers. We have tithers' rights. And we were able to purchase a new vehicle yesterday, the exact same one, but better. <laughs> the good thing about that, they paid cash for their first one. They paid cash for this one yesterday. Matter of fact, the man that hit them didn't have insurance either, but he had cash, so he gave them thousands of dollars of cash in their hand. Yesterday, <clears throat> one day after the fact. And you know, somebody say, well, boy, ain't they lucky. Has nothing to do with luck. They bring the tithe into the storehouse, and God said, I rebuke the devourer. If you've got six kids and two adults, that makes eight people in the household. And eight people in the household with no transportation, that would be a curse. Redeemed from the curse. And so let me ask you this. He said in verse 12, the people around you see you and call you blessed. Would you call them blessed? Amen, 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 amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. And so, you know, I, I, I just want to tell you, tell you again that it pays to serve God. It's not a curse. It pays to be faithful to God. Amen. Amen, amen. I'm so grateful for that. That happened Friday night or Friday afternoon right before our seminar. I was talking to them. He told me what happened. And I said, I said, Alex, I said, you guys, you guys are tithing, right? He said, yeah. I said, no problem. Let me grief you for a car. And I said, you need it now, so let's grief for now. So that was Friday night, Saturday they got it. Does the word work? Amen. Hey, when you work the word. All right. Everybody got the envelopes and everything you're going to do there? Did we do that part? Does anybody need an envelope? Amen. All right. Well, make sure you get an envelope in your hand and... Sorry for the delay. But I, I want to remind you that when we, when we do our offerings here, we bring them up to the altar because that's a holy place, place to present yourself to God. We present the offering at the altar. And I know a good majority of people now go online and do their tithes and offerings online and things like that. So if you do that, when we come up here, you can still come up here because you present your tithe to him already. But come up here at the altar anyway with us. And we can stand here and worship God. And just really just stand in his presence up here. Amen. Well, let's stand up. Alex, I was going to have you do the financial faith confession. Do you want to do that? You don't want to. Okay. Hallelujah. Behind every good woman, there's a man. And Alex is behind his. <laughs> but I'm not going to laugh because I'm behind mine too. Mrs. Pastor, you know the Bible says the husband's the head. Well, the wife's the neck. And... What turns the head? <laughs> Amen. Let's make our financial faith confession. <clears throat> As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs, our better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, Royalties received, blessings and increase. 
Thank you, Lord, meet all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, give justice to the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Feel free to join us at the altar as we sing today. You can also sing from your seats. But let's sing. I'm wandering into the night. I'm wanting a place to hide this weary soul. This vagabond. I tried with all my might. But I just can't. The fight, I'm slowly drifting. A vagabond. And just when I ran out of road, I met a man I didn't know. And he told me that I am not alone. He picked me up, he turned me around. Place my feet on solid ground. I thank Master, I thank Savior, because He healed my heart, changed my name, forever free. I'm not the same. I thank the Master, I thank Savior, I thank God. I cannot deny what I see. No choice but to believe My doubts are burning My ashes in the wind So, so long to my old friends Burning the bitterness You keep it moving Now you ain't welcome here From now till I walk the streets of gold See how you saved my soul This weary son has found his way back home Picked me up, he turned me around Placed my feet on solid ground I thank the Master, I thank the Savior Because he healed my heart and changed my name Forever free, I'm not the same I think Savior, I thank God. See, I can't deny it. I cannot deny what I've seen. No choice but to believe. My doubts are burning like ashes in the wind. So, so long to my old Burden and bitterness, you just keep moving. Now nah, you ain't welcome here. Now till I walk the streets of gold, I'll sing of how you saved my soul. This wayward son has found his way back home. You pick me up, you turn me around. On solid ground, I think the Master, I think the Savior, because He healed my heart, changed my name, forever free. I'm not the same. I think the Master.
sing for a minute our power of saved. And lost another one. I am free. I am free. I am free. Now sing that. And lost another one. I am free. I am free. I am free. And lost another one. I am free. I am free. I am free. And lost another one. I am free. I am free. I am free. Let's sing that.
Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. 
you, Father. Thank you, Father. Well, can you say hallelujah? Can you say it again louder? Can you say it again extra loud? Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to receive communion in a, in a minute. If you want to stay up here, that's fine. If you want your family to join you up here at the altar, that's fine. If you want to receive it back in the, uh, where you're seated, that's fine too. You know, I just want to extend that invitation to you. So anyway, praise the Lord. You do not have to be a member of High Desert Word Center to receive communion here, but you do have to be a born-again Christian. And so because I don't know some of you in here, I'm going to give you an opportunity to repeat with all of us a prayer of salvation that we have spoken many times. Not because we just need to speak it once, but we're speaking it many times to help you to be able to speak it as well. So if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead and you ask Jesus to come into your heart, you know what? You become a born-again Christian. It's all about surrendering your life to him. You know, after all, think about your life. You know, maybe you got a quote-unquote good life by the standards of the world. Maybe your life's horrible. But compared to Jesus, you know, <laughs> we pale. But when we, when we surrender our life to Jesus, man, he makes all things new. He just makes all things new. He takes the past and he buries it. He forgives us. And he sets us on our feet and he says, come on, we're going we're gonna to do the rest of this life together. And we're going to be victorious in him, okay? So let's all say this prayer together. So that way that you'll be free to come up and take communion with us if you'd like to. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe in my heart that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for me, and that God raised you from the dead on the third day. So I ask you to come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I surrender my life to you. And I'll serve you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen, amen. So family, if you want to join those who are up here, come on up and join them. People up here, if you want to go back and join your family there, that's fine. Okay? Uh, but we still, you need to come up and receive the elements. So let's do that.
Hallelujah. I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Listen to this. Whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. And for this reason, the word says, but let a man examine himself. Doesn't mean you examine your kids. You don't examine your wife or your husband yourself. This is a you thing here. Examine yourself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep or die. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned by the world. And so let's just take a a few minutes just to search our hearts. You know, you don't have to go digging up anything if it's not there, making things up. But if the Lord puts something on your heart, there's two kinds of sins. Sins of omission, sins of commission. Sins of commission are things that you do that aren't right. Sins of omission are things that the Lord's told you to do something and you're not doing it. You're admitting it. You're just saying you're not being obedient. Those are two types of sins. So just let's let's just uh, spend a few minutes here and search our hearts and just ask the Holy Ghost, you know, search us, Lord, and then we'll receive the elements in a minute, okay? For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your blood, Lord. It paid the price for our sins. We should have been paying for our own, but you paid it for us, Lord, and we could never thank you or praise you enough for it. Lord, I pray that as we get into your word today, you would speak to us, God, and change us to be more like you, Lord. Show us what we need to see today. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord some praise today? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, hey, we've already had a good time today. We've already had some church who thinks that we're doing pretty good. All right. Well, uh, we're going to get into the Word of God today. Uh, we're going to be getting in uh, to part two of a series that we started last week. It's called The Good Fight. And, uh, and, and so what we kind of looked at last week is an opening verse that we'll see here in just a minute. But one thing that you have to recognize right off the bat in life, and you know, if you deny this fact, it doesn't make it go away. And it's this is that there is an enemy that is real. <laughs> and he wants to come and he would like to attack your health. He would like to attack your mind. He would like to attack your family and take you down. And of course, the scripture tells us in first Peter five, eight, that the enemy is the devil. It says he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so a lot of people are like, man, I, yeah, whatever. I, I don't believe in that stuff. Or, uh, uh, or maybe they, they're like, yeah, I, I, there is an enemy and I'm married to her. It's my wife. She's my problem. Like, no, no, no. Pump the brakes on that. We're here to help you. Or I'll tell you who, who the enemy is. It's my stinking boss, man. He's the word. And we're always looking to point the blame somewhere, but until you realize that people are not your problem, the devil is the issue, you're going to be fighting and spinning in circles and just wearing yourself out nonstop. You have to recognize who the enemy is before we can start making some headway on this situation. Now, another thing that we pointed out before I get there, if you need an outline for the sermon, raise your hand. The ushers would like to give you one. If you didn't get one when you came in, you can follow along with the outline. But another thing that I pointed out last week is this, is that in the fight of faith that we are in, it is not a fight to obtain something that you have no right to. You're not fighting for something that that doesn't belong to you, that, that you've just got no business. No. We are fighting from a position of victory because Jesus already defeated the devil 2,000 years ago when he went to hell. So all we're doing in the fight of faith is we are fighting to maintain, we are fighting to defend what Jesus already provided to us. If I'm the heavyweight champion of the world and I've got an upcoming fight, I mean, I've already got the belt, I'm already the champion. If I've got a fight scheduled in a couple of weeks, I'm not fighting to win the title. I've already got the title, man. I'm fighting to defend what has already been won. And because of what Jesus did for you, 
What you're fighting for is to defend and maintain what Jesus already won. He already paid the price for your healing. He already paid the price so you could have peace of mind. He already paid the price so your family could live in harmony. And he already paid the price for anything that the devil's trying to attack you on. And so you're not some underdog, loser, piece of trash trying to somehow, some way get something that doesn't belong to you that you have no right to. You are victorious in Christ Jesus. You're not a loser. You're awesome because of Jesus. It's not because, you know, you were just born awesome. It's because you were born again when you received Jesus. So it doesn't matter how messed up you were back then. What matters is, is that because of what Jesus did, you are a brand new person. Amen. That's good news. And so we are not fighting to win something that you've got no business having. No, you, because of what Jesus did, these things belong to you. All the promises of God, or the Bible says, are yes and amen. They belong to you, and you've got to defend what the enemy is trying to take from you. And so last week, what we looked at, we're looking at weapons on how to fight the good fight of faith. So first of all, let's look here real quick at 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. That does not sound like an excited bunch of people to me today. I could have stayed home and got more noise than that. I said, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. No, we don't play quiet around here, all right? We got to get real. Somebody emailed me the other day checking out the church, and they were like, uh, would you say you guys are loud or quiet? And I'm like, oh, man, how do I answer this honestly? Uh, we're, we can be a little crazy sometimes, but, hey, we have a good time, right? And so we got the joy of the Lord. But First Timothy 6, and we're going to look here at verse 12 in the New King James Version. First Timothy 6, looking at verse 12. And what's it tell us to do? It says to fight the good fight of faith. Now, a question, we, we say this every time, but what's a good fight? A good fight is a fight that you win. I don't care if somebody's like, man, that was a good fight. You went 12 rounds and got your brains beat out and you lost, but what a fight you put up. I don't want that, okay? I want to win the fight. That's not a good fight for me. A good fight is the fight that I win and you are going to win the fight that you're fighting right now. Who believes that? Is there anybody in here that, man, you've got a little bit of a fight on your hands. The enemy's been trying to attack you a little bit. You don't even have to raise, I can see it on some of your faces, okay? The enemy has been trying to get some of you this week, but you are going to win if you'll do it God's way. And so fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And so last week we looked at a couple of the weapons that we have at our disposal for winning the fight. And the first thing we said last week, this is just review real quick. The first thing we said was the word of God is your number one weapon. Ephesians 6 says that you got to take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You will not win the fight without the sword of the spirit until you take God's word seriously 
you are not going to win the fight of faith. Now, another thing we said last week is your words, because you have to learn to speak words of faith according to Mark 11. It said, say unto the mountain, be thou removed, be cast into the sea, and if you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe that those things that you say shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever you say it. And you're like, I can't remember that. Well, boom, we love it so much, we plastered it on the front wall. So if you can't remember it, just look up ahead, all right? And so if you're going to win the fight, you have got to take God's word seriously. You've got to read it, and you've got to speak it out of your mouth. And then this week, we're moving on to another weapon that you have to use if you're going to win the fight of faith. And I asked the worship team to sing that second song specifically today about raise a hallelujah because it says, my weapon is a melody. And so what I'm talking about today is the weapon of your praise can bring some massive breakthroughs in your life. And so what I'm here today to do is this, is I am tired of seeing God's people getting thumped around, getting bullied around by the devil, depressed, sad, full of anxiety and stress and, and, and all these things. I'm done with that stuff, man. I am ready to see Christians be victorious like Jesus wants you to be. And so don't think for a minute that today is just uh, this is an inspiring word. That was, a, that was a good one, Pastor Dave. I'm talking about how you can win some battles right now. And maybe you've been doing everything you know how, but what I'm telling you today is a massive key to your victory if you'll listen to the word of God. Amen. And so the first thing I'm going to say today is this. Number one, praise is a weapon. Praise is a weapon. Now, uh, you know, there's other, there's many things that we could look at in the coming weeks. I'm not so sure yet, but, but I, I'm not belittling or overlooking prayer or any of the other things, but praise is one of the best weapons and resources that God gave to you for fighting your battles. And the thing is, most Christians don't realize that. And, you know, even if you're not very bright, you at least know like, hey, things are getting rough. Maybe I ought to pray. You know, you don't even have to be that deep. You, you can be a pretty shallow surface level Christian to at least pray when things get a little bit difficult. But there's not a whole lot that I know that when it's really getting hard, that they will just raise their hands and praise God anyway. And those that will, you have entered another phase and another level of fighting the good fight of faith. And so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to take you for a story in the Old Testament. Let's take a stroll to Second Chronicles, shall we? Who wants to go to Second Chronicles? All right, very good. It's settled. It's settled. Let's do this. Second Chronicles chapter 20. We're going way back in the Old Testament here. Second Chronicles chapter 20. And we're looking here at a story of everybody's favorite king, King Jehoshaphat. Who loves King Jehoshaphat? Okay, all right. I mean, most of you don't know who he is, but, uh, you know, what a name. I mean, I, you're setting your kid up just to get bullied right there, Jehoshaphat. But uh, praise God, it's good. Despite his name, good things happen here. So Second Chronicles chapter 20, and we're going to look at a few verses here. But what's going on is King Jehoshaphat of Judah had found himself in a terrible predicament. Several armies had... Uh, uh, allied their forces and joined together to come against Judah and they were moving in for the attack and uh, and so 
Jehoshaphat is like, I don't know what to do, man. We are outnumbered. We don't stand a chance in this battle. And so he's fasting. He's praying. He's begging. He's pleading. Uh, you know, God, what are we going to do here? So check this out. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Uh, starting here at verse 12, and, uh, and he's pleading. He says, Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. And as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. I practiced all of those names this morning just to make sure I got that. Dude, I, I nailed that. I'm sorry, but I think I did all right on that. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. All right. All in one phrase. Verse 15, he said... Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Why would, how can you say that? Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And he's trying to say that to some of you today. You're all discouraged and, oh man, what are we going to do now? And the Lord is saying, stop it. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. It's not your fight anyway. The battle is God's. Verse 16. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not even need to fight. Whoa. Take your positions and then... Just stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. And so God's speaking through this man right here, and he's saying, go out there. Don't be afraid. You're going to win a massive victory, and you don't even need to fight. I'm like, what? How's that going to happen? Just go out there, take your positions, and then just stand back. All you got to do is show up to the fight, and God's going to take care of the rest. And that's something that some of y'all need to know right now. You got to show up. You got to get into the word. You got to show up for the fight. But God is going to make this thing happen. And so that all sounded really good. Okay, that's, you know, that's, that's really encouraging. But how is this going to work out? And so look at these next few verses, because here is their game plan on winning this victory. And it's incredible. I mean, I've never seen anything like this. And so verse 21, skip down to verse 21. It says, after consulting the people, the king appointed snipers, helicopters, warships, nukes. No, what did he do? How did he win? What is this? The, the, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. What? Singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every single one of them. 
after they had destroyed the, the after they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. What a victory, man. That's what I'm talking about. They didn't have to go home and do their laundry. They just showed up and the battle was already won. Now check this out though. Let's rewind and break this story down a little bit because we, I kind of alluded to this, but anytime that I'm going to be going to battle, I'm thinking, okay, let's get the Navy SEALs. Let's get the Marines. Let's get, you know, Rambo. Let's get some warriors up there. And then afterwards, well, you know, the band can follow up later, but that's not God's way. His ways are different. He says, all right, boys, start tuning up the guitars. We're sending in the worship team first. Now, God, I don't mean to doubt you. I don't, I really, just hear me out. Hear, you know my heart. Hear me out. Uh, you know, uh, they're good. They're good. They're good at what they do. But I think we need some killers on our hands here right now. We need some fighters. We don't need the singers. And, you know, musicians sometimes, you know, they aren't always the, you know, the, the strongest of men. Not making fun of anybody. I'm just saying, I am one. But at the same time, Lord, why are you doing it this way? And check it out. Listen. God's going to do some things and bring some victories in your life. And he's going to do it in a way that you never saw coming. Because if, if he did it the way that you understood, you wouldn't have to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. You're like, okay, I understand what you're doing here, Lord. So, okay, I can get in line with that. God is going to bring you some victories, but it's going to be in ways that are beyond your understanding. And so what's he do? He sends the singers out. He sends the band out there and they're probably playing their harps and they're beating their drum and, and, and all their flute and all this instruments they had back then. They are getting down, worshiping and praising God. And by the time they showed up to face the enemy, the enemy was already defeated. I'm thinking, I like that kind of fight. I can get on board with that type of fight. And so what happened here? Well, I'm going to tell you something on your, on your outline here. When we praise in the battle, it confuses the enemy. When we begin to praise in the battle, it confuses the enemy. I mean, you've got the, you know, the whole enemy and all his army, uh, they're on standby, like, okay, we're going to attack with this and that. Okay, what, what's he doing up there? And they look up and you're like, thank you, Lord. I pray that idiot's singing. That fool is up there singing, right? He's not even afraid of us. What is this? And when we praise, it begins to bring confusion into the enemy camp. And what happened right here? They turned on each other. They were stabbing each other. And the army of Judah didn't have to lift a single finger. I'm telling you, you can believe me or not believe me. That's fine, man. I've got a good lunch waiting on me when I get home. I don't care. Check it out, though. When you praise in the middle of the storm and in the battle, it confuses Satan because he did not see that coming. He thought that you were going to panic. He thought you were going to turn on your family. He thought you were going to turn on God and blame him. But when you're praising God, even when it's difficult, he does not know how to combat that. It is confusing and it drives him up the wall. And so... 
I heard Brother Hagen uh, tell a story, and I'm going to share a few of his stories today, about this lady who had suffered from severe asthma for years. And she'd been prayed for by some of the most famous preachers in the country. And she'd done everything that she knew to do, but nothing was changing. And so one day, a minister told her, every time you think of the asthma, raise your hands and just start praising God. Praise Him for His goodness and praise Him for His healing power. Every time you think of it, just start praising God anyway. And so she said, why would I praise God for something that I don't even have yet? Why would I do that? That doesn't make any sense. Well, he talked her into it. Just do it. Just, just, just take my word for this. And so she said that she went home and just started praising God. And any time that uh, the symptoms came, any time that she thought of the, just her hands went up, Lord, I praise you. You are good. Your mercy endures forever. She got so caught up into praising God every day that she didn't realize it. But after a while, she looked at the calendar like, oh, my gosh, it's been a whole month since I've had any symptoms of any asthma at all. She was too busy praising God to even think about it. Well, next thing you know, it's six months and a year. The woman never had an asthma issue again for the rest of her life. She was too busy praising God. And I heard a story that Brother Hagin told of this other, uh, this minister back in the 40s. Uh, he had got tuberculosis. And, you know, we think of like, well, okay, that's not, I mean, this was a killer, all right, back in the day. This was one of the leading causes. It was a bad bad thing. And so this preacher, he gets tuberculosis and and he goes everywhere, gets every preacher to pray for him, gets every church to everybody join and pray for him. He keeps getting worse. He's praying, he's praying, he's crying, he's pleading, and nothing is happening. And so finally, he just gets, he can't preach anymore. He can't do anything. So they send him out to his family's ranch out in the middle of Texas. And he's like, he's laying there on the bed one day. He'd been bedridden. And he's like, you know what? I refuse to lay here. I'm going to go outside. And so he he crawls his way to a big old tree stump. And he lays there and he just starts praying. And God says, "Why don't you just start praising me for just a minute? Just, just give me." And he's like, "I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to praise God anyway." And so he starts out with a little bit of a whisper. And and it wasn't anything at all. Just a little faint. The the most he could get out was a whisper. And he says, "I'm going to lay here and praise you either until I get healed or until I die because I'm not going on like this anymore." And he starts praising and it's out of whisper. And as he starts with a little whisper, he feels a little bit of strength get into him. And so his whisper turns into a little bit louder. And and, and so he, he gets up and he gets on one knee and he starts praising God a little bit louder. And each time he praises a little louder, he gets a little more strength. And the next thing you know, he's on both knees, then he's on both feet. And the next thing you know, his hands are raised. He's jumping. He's running around the yard. He was praising God so loud that a neighboring farmer a quarter mile up the road came up. What's all this yelling down here? The man was completely and totally healed of that tuberculosis from that moment forward and never had an issue with it again. What I'm saying is learn to praise God even in the midst of the storm. And I can tell you from my own life experience that when I'm down, when the enemy's trying to throw, you know, stress or anxiety or depression or anything on me, if I will dare to praise God and open my mouth and sing his praises, I'm just going to say, 
100% of the time, it chases away the stress and the anxiety and the fear and the depression. It works 100% of the time for me. And so anytime that dark cloud tries to come over me, I will start singing to God. And the devil cannot be in that atmosphere, man. He cannot come into the shelter of the Most High. It opens up my heart to hear God's voice. And usually I sing old songs from my childhood, you know, back in the day. And so I love all the newest, most modern songs. You know, I got it on my iTunes playlist. Yeah, but I like some of the old school stuff too. And that's what really gets me going. And I'm telling you right now, Satan does not know how to fight against that. He can't stand you praising God. Why? Well, because praise opens up your heart for God to really speak to you. That's on your outline. Praise opens up your heart for God to really speak to you. He begins to speak to you. And you become a lot more sensitive to the voice of the Lord if you've been praising and worshiping. It gets my mind off of my issues and gets my mind and my heart on Jesus and how good he is. You're right. And, and, and so what I'm going to say is that this is very important. What I'm getting ready to say is probably the most important thing I'm going to say today. And so if you don't like this, just go ahead and leave after I say it because it's not going to get any better than this. But check it out. What I'm saying is this. When, when, when we praise, it opens up your heart for God to speak to you. Why? It silences your soul so your spirit can receive answers. When we begin to praise, it silences our soul so our spirit can get answered. Well, what's your soul? I thought your spirit and soul were the same thing. No, clearly all throughout scripture, it tells us that that spirit and soul are separate. Paul said, I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body would be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, that, and Hebrews 4 says that the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides between soul and spirit. They are not the same thing. What is your soul? Well, from a good, thorough study of scripture, your soul is your mind your will, and your emotions. Now, when I begin to praise God, if my emotions, if my mind has been all over the place and, and, and just getting attacked, when I dare to raise my hands and begin to praise God, it shuts down the emotions. It stills my soul and quiets my mind and my spirit opens up and the Lord can speak to me right then and say, here's what you need to do. Here's the answer. Here's what needs to happen next. And it opens up my spirit so I can receive the answers that I have. And I'm telling you right now, this is the absolute truth for a born-again Christian. If you will learn to praise God in the midst of it all, you're going to start seeing some answers that you've probably fought years and years to get. I've been praying. I've been begging. I've been pleading. You're a child of God. Quit pleading. You're not a beggar. You're not a loser. You're not a nobody. You're a daughter of God Almighty. You're no beggar. You're no loser. Get up. Talk to him, man. It belongs to you. Victory is yours because of what Jesus did. Raise those hands. Lift that voice. And let the king of glory come in. And so, yeah, last week we talked about how speaking the word out loud will silence those thoughts. We are told to take every thought captive, according to 2 Corinthians. But praising God will do the same thing also. And when we praise, praise always precedes peace. Is there anybody in here that likes having peace in your life? 
I value a lot of things, right? I, uh, clearly, I value food. I value, you know, my family. I value my church. Lots of things that I like. But I value the peace of God about more than anything else in this world. I've had it both ways. I've had times with no peace. I've had times of stress and fear and anxiety. And I refuse to live my life that way. I want the peace of God in my life every single day. Day. And when I live a lifestyle of praise, of course the word's number one, but when I live a lifestyle of praise, the peace which surpasses all understanding, it guards my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. And so what I'm going to say now is this, okay? First of all, you got to realize that praise is a weapon. And number two, praise will bring breakthrough in your life. Maybe you've been up against a wall and the enemy, you know, like, I just got to break through this thing. We, we got to get through. And, and you, you haven't been able to break through this barrier or whatever this is from the enemy. Right now, I'm telling you that praise will bring a breakthrough to the situation. You got to have the word. You've got to have prayer, but you've got to have praise too. So many Christians don't see this. And Brother Hagin said this, it's when we spend equal time in fellowshipping with the Lord in prayer and in singing praises that we see mighty manifestations of his power in our lives. I'm telling you today that you need an equal amount of prayer and praise in your life. And so uh, I heard this story about this missionary girl, young girl, um, that uh, Brother Hagen also told this story about. Uh, she had had a vision from God when she was not getting healed of smallpox. So she had smallpox, and she was praying, and she was doing everything she knew how, and the breakthrough wasn't coming. And so God gave her a vision of an old-fashioned scale that balanced weight. You know, those, you know, you put something on each side, and, and you know, it weighs the, the, the balance there. And so God showed her this scale, and on one side of the scale, it said praise. And on the other side, it said prayer. The side that said prayer was all the way full to the ground, and the side that said praise was empty. There was nothing in it because she didn't praise. She just prayed all the time, which prayer is awesome. you got to do it. But she was very unbalanced in her approach, right? And in anything we do in our life, we need balance, right? You need a balanced diet for to be healthy. You need a balance in everything. And prayer is awesome, but it was way out of balance. It was all prayer and never any praise. And so the Lord said to her, the, the, when your praise equals your prayers, you'll receive that healing. And so for two days and nights, all she did was praise the Lord. And she began to break through and balance this thing out. And after two days and two nights of praising God to make it a little more balanced, she was completely healed of the disease and of the smallpox. And so what I'm trying to tell some of you today is this, is like, God, I don't know what I'm doing, man. I've been praying. I've been going to church. I've been doing this. I'm doing everything I know to do. And you're doing, you're on the right path. You're doing all the right things, but you are very out of balance in your praise life. You've got to learn to praise God. It's a weapon that is here at your disposal. Well, I don't feel like it. That's the best time to praise God is when you don't feel like it. 
you know, the kids were receiving healing this week and, you know, got this cough syrup and all this nasty stuff. And, man, I don't feel like taking it. I'll do it when I feel better. You don't need to take the cough syrup after you feel better. You need to do it when you're down, right? And some of you, I'll, I'll get to that. I'm just not in the mood right now. You need to quit living your life by what mood you're in. Get over it. You're going to, listen, part of being mature Part of being stable is forcing yourself to do things that you don't want to do simply because it's the right thing. Right? You know, I don't feel like going to work today. That's cute for a while, but do that too often and you're unemployed Floyd. You don't have a job no more, right? So many people there, you know, you've got to force yourself sometimes to do the right thing even when you don't feel like it. I don't feel like praise. I don't feel like going. I'll do it when I'm in the mood. The mood will never come. The devil will see to it that you're never in the mood to praise God. He'll see to it that you're never in the mood to go to church, that you're never in the mood to read the Bible. He can accommodate that all day long. But when you start to, and I'll do it anyway, I don't care if I feel like it, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to read his word. I'm going to go to church. You're starting to break through that barrier that has held you back. And so what am I saying? I'm saying it's time for us to grow up and do the right thing even when we don't feel like it, especially when we don't feel like it. Can I get an amen today? Let me show you here. Acts chapter 16. Let's go to Acts chapter 16. Are you glad you came today? So Acts chapter 16, and we're going to look here at verses 25 and 26. And we've got the story of Paul and Silas having a good old-fashioned praise service. But it was not at the church. It was in the prison because they had just gotten beaten to a bloody pulp. Why? For serving Jesus. <laughs> and so here they are, and uh, th- they had cast the devil out of this young girl. And, I mean, it just stirred up a whole bunch of trouble in the city. You can read the whole story for yourself sometime. But they get arrested for doing uh, what they were supposed to do. And so if you read the previous verses, they were beaten and they were stoned and they were whipped and, I mean, just absolutely tortured. And then they were locked in to the inner dungeon of the prison. And they were uh, they were chained up and they were put in stocks. And so, I mean, they were just, just a bad situation. And so I'm thinking, if there is any time that you may not feel like praising God, this could potentially be one of those situations. I'm not, you know, saying this is worse than your circumstance, but just because you had a bad hair day, that doesn't quite equal to this, right? And so these guys, if there was anybody that had a reason to not really feel like giving praise to God, it was these two boys right here. But check out what happened. They're bloody. They're beaten. They're just a nasty mess. Verse 25, Acts 16, verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were all listening. And what happened? Did God just leave them there to rot? No, look at verse 26. And then suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to the foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Come on. We're talking about breakthrough here. And what, 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 what happened? What, what is all this? They began to praise and pray in the midst of the terrible situation. They dared to lift 
their voice to God. They experienced, this is what I would call breakthrough. Maybe you feel like, man, I've just been, I feel like I'm chained up. I feel like I can't break free. Well, Jesus breaks every chain. That's why he can't go to the jewelry store. He breaks every chain. Come on, somebody. You'll get that later. Yeah, thank you. All right. That's, all right. Uh, but, but seriously, I want to show you something very important out of this verse right here. All right. Paul and Silas gave equal importance to prayer and praise. What does it say they were doing in verse 25? They were praying and singing hymns to God. They prayed all right. I'm sure they were speaking the word and everything else, but they also praised God. They gave equal importance to prayer and to praise, and the breakthrough came while they were praying. Now, notice it doesn't say that a great big earthquake happened, all the chains fell off, and then they gave praise to God after the battle was all over with. Because, again, if you're going to wait to praise God until after the battle's over, you may be waiting a minute there, buddy. You need to start praising God right now while the chains are still there. While the wall's still there, you need to praise God before the breakthrough comes. And when you choose, check it out, when you choose to praise before you see the answer, you're telling God, you're telling the devil, you're telling anybody else listening that you are confident that God's going to come through for you. You're proclaiming your confidence. Whenever you're in the thick of it and you're praising God anyway, you're telling God, you're telling the devil, you're telling anybody else with an earshot that I am so convinced that I'm going to win this victory. I don't have to wait till it's over. I'll just praise God right now. Have you ever heard of a, an athlete doing like a premature celebration? Like maybe they get to the finish line and they start celebrating before it's all over with? Well, that's not good to do in sports, but I'm telling you right now, in the fight of faith, you can start celebrating. You can start praising Jesus right now before the end comes. You can do it right now because when we do that, we're simply proclaiming our confidence that breakthrough and victory is coming right now. And so, as we kind of wind down here, I'm going to talk about King David, because David, as you know, wrote a whole lot of the Psalms. He didn't write all of them, but he wrote a lot of the Psalms. And he's the only man in the Bible that God called a man after my own heart. There's a lot of good guys in the Bible. I mean, Moses, Noah, all these great guys, but only one man is called a man after God's own heart. And clearly, it's not because David was perfect. David did some really stupid and bad things. But he always came back to the Lord and asked forgiveness, and he quit doing the stupid and bad things. He didn't continue doing them. But one thing about David is this, is that David knew how to praise God. And he went through some difficult stuff. He had the death of a child. He had enemies attacking him all the time. He had a lot of troubles, but he gave a whole lot of praise to God. Psalm 22 and verse 3. Let's go there. Psalm 22 and verse 3. And we'll read this in the King James here. Psalm 22 and verse 3. We're talking about using praise as a weapon today. And I guarantee you that there are some of you in here that you've been wondering, man, how do I win this battle? You're doing the right thing with your prayer. You're doing the right thing with the Word of God. But if you would add praise into the mix, if you would balance it out, you would see the breakthrough that you need to see. And so Psalm 22, in verse 3, right here in the King James, it says this. 
but thou art holy. Amen. God is holy. You better know that, that he is set apart. There is nobody like him. But check it out. He says, O thou that inhabits the praises of Israel. And so we're the New Testament church, you know, that's talking to us. He says, he, God inhabits the praises of Israel. He inhabits the praises of his people. Well, what does it mean when you inhabit someplace? Well, that's where you live and that's where you stay and reside. If I would create an atmosphere and a lifestyle of praise, God inhabits praise. That's opening up the door and inviting the presence of God in to live in my life, to abide there, to dwell there, to stay there, and just absolutely be a part of my life every single day. God inhabits. He lives. He abides. He stays there in the praises of his people. Can we get an amen today? I'm gonna have our, uh, I'm gonna have the praise team come on up, the worship team, and I'm gonna give us a chance to actually praise God for a minute. Cause how, how bad would it be if I just said, y'all need to go praise God, then I sent you home? No! We're gonna give you a chance to praise God today! Well, I don't feel like it, then you better be at the front of the altar. You better be the first one up here if you don't feel like it, amen? And so, uh, let's go ahead and stand up together for just a minute, and um, as we're closing, I was gonna tell one final little story here. Uh, it was about an Italian poet, really, an Italian poet named Dante Alighieri, but he was uh, in, in church service, and uh, he failed to kneel at the appropriate moment, and he had some haters and some critics that didn't like him, so his critics hurried to the preacher at the end and demanded that Dante be punished for his sacrilege. And, and he didn't, he, he didn't kneel. He wasn't paying attention. And so this poet defended himself by saying, if those who accuse me had had their eyes and minds on God like I did, they too would have failed to notice the events and surroundings around them. And they most certainly would not have noticed what I was doing. And so I'm telling you that as we praise, don't worry about who's praising or who's singing or who's doing what. Have your eyes on God. It doesn't matter what no one else is doing. I, I'll praise God if I'm the only one in the building praising God, right? I like it a lot more when everybody's worshiping and praising God together. But it doesn't matter what they're doing. What matters is we're giving you a chance to raise your hands and raise your voice and lift your heart and your mind to Jesus. Amen. And if you've been struggling, if you've been up against a wall, up against the enemy... This is the golden opportunity for you to experience some breakthrough today. Who's ready to praise God together? Yeah. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I said, who's ready to praise the Lord together today? Come on. Yeah. Hallelujah. I know this much. We talk about it and we joke about it, but we're a lot more willing to give a little noise for our football team sometimes than we are for God. Amen. We're sometimes we're a little more excited about our basketball team or the Super Bowl or whatever. And like, we'll, we'll paint our chest. We'll run around half naked in front of a stadium. Woo! Woo! The Rams! The Rams! But then, what about the Lamb of God who was slain to take away the sins of the world? You can't get a little excited about that? 
I don't get you, man. You may think I'm weird. I think you're weird. I mean, if you can't get up for Jesus, something ain't right with that. Amen. But anyway, I'm going to shut up and we're going to give you a chance to praise God today. Uh, These guys are going to sing a song and I would encourage you to come to the altar of God today. Come on and let's praise the Lord together, especially if you need a breakthrough today. Amen. Let's worship our King together. Let's go. are burning like ashes in the wind so so long to my old friends burden and bitterness you just keep moving now I ain't welcome here from now till I walk the streets of gold I'll sing of how you saved my soul Wayward son has found his way back home. He picked me up, he turned me around, and placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, because he healed my heart, he changed my name, forever free. I'm not the same. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior. The disciples were rejoicing that they had the authority and the power over demons. Jesus told them that that's great and that's all good and grand. But he said that the most important thing they should rejoice over is that their name is written in heaven. That means that we don't belong to hell anymore. We belong to Jesus. Our name is written in heaven. So let's think about that and let's sing this together. Hell lost no one. I am free. I am free. I am free. Hell lost no one. I am free. I am free. I am free. Oh, hell lost no one. I am free. I am free. I am free. Hell lost no one. I am free. I am free. I am free. Hell lost no one. I am free. I am free. I am free. Hell us no one. I am free. I am free. I am free. Hell us no one. I am free. I am free. I am free. Hell us no one. I am free. 
is good. Man, praise God. Did it feel good to just sing to him for a few minutes? Amen. Sometimes I, I see it this way that your gears are kind of stuck, right? And the gears are grinding, but the worship and the praise, it's the oil that kind of just loosens things up so you can get rolling how you need to. And, uh, I don't always do this, but I believe I got a word of knowledge this morning. And so I, I pretty much, uh, you know, I, if it's for you, then it's for you. If it's not, it's not for everybody, but it's for you. But uh, as we're talking about breakthrough and about, uh, you know, fighting the good fight of faith, a, ma- a massive aspect of this is the area of forgiveness. And I, I, I just the Lord's showing me and speaking to me that there's a, there's a couple of wives in here that your husband did something dumb. He apologized and he stopped. All right. And so this, if this is for you, it's for you. You need to forgive him and let it go. Don't hang that over his head for the rest of his life. He for, he repented. He stopped. Let it go now and heal, okay? If that's for you, it's for you. And if it's not, then praise God it's not. But uh, praising God will help you to get the job done, though. If you're like, I just I start praising God and let the oil, you know, the scripture calls it the oil of joy, amen? And when we begin to praise, the oil of joy will come in and make things possible that were never possible before. And so I tell you today to raise a hallelujah in the presence of your enemies. Raise a hallelujah. Make it louder than the unbelief, amen? Raise it to Jesus today, amen? God is good. Well, praise the Lord. We want to open it up here. If you came today and you need prayer for something, we want to be able to pray for you and with you and be in agreement. I'm going to ask my prayer team to come on up. My prayer team. And if you're here and you need prayer, come on up for prayer. And uh, if you just want to stay at the altar and worship, that's not going to offend me at all. But uh, let's just take a few more minutes, though. If you don't need prayer, then just stay there and worship God. Can you guys lead us a little bit more in some worship? And if you need prayer, come on up right now, and we're going to pray for you.
Close things out here. I know we got a little ministry going on still, so we'll be reverent. 
for that. But hey, I encourage you to take the word of God to heart today. Amen. You know, it's not it's not good enough to just hear the word. You've got to do the word. James 1.22 says to be doers of the word, not hearers only, or else you're deceiving yourselves. And so I believe that the word that was given today uh, is a word that is for you right now. Tomorrow when you're... Uh, when you're reading your Bible tomorrow morning or your devotion, just sing some praises to God. And even if you're not a good singer, hey, it's not for it's for him, okay? To him, you're a great singer. It doesn't matter, okay? And so I'm telling you to praise God this week and watch the breakthroughs begin to happen. Amen. All right? You got something, Mama? If you ladies are having a problem signing up for the mother-daughter, some of you are. Uh, Pastor Katie's going to be at the info booth after the service, and she'll help you, okay? Today's the last day to sign up for mother-daughter lunch. Yeah, very good. That's this Saturday. All right, you got something? And there's a text message coming out at noon, so you got five minutes till the link goes to your phone, too. So if the QR code hasn't worked for you, there'll be a link coming, a text message. And if you don't get it, come and find me. Okay, you get it in five minutes. Find her. Five minutes, okay? Find her. All right. Anyway, praise God. So we're going to close out. Uh, we want to remind you, uh, one last reminder, men, there's no men's meeting this Saturday because of the mother-daughter banquet. The next men's meeting will be in June, all right? Very good. Well, the service tonight at 6 o'clock, prayer at 5 o'clock. Come on out and let's do it all over again. Amen. We're going to have a good time. Let's give him some praise today as we close out. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. We will choose to praise you this week, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I'm going to pray over you. Then we're going to speak our Barstow Faith Confession. You can get on out of here, get you some lunch, and get you a good old Christian Pentecostal nap on a Sunday afternoon. Come on. Yeah. All right. Man, that nap is sounding good right about now. Those kids better behave themselves today because I'm getting mine. Amen. All right. Raise your hands. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much for what we've seen in the word of God today and just like the army of Judah in 2nd Chronicles Lord they sent the praise ahead of the might they sent the praise ahead of the army and Lord they didn't even have to lift a finger the battle was already won and just like Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16 Lord they were in a bad situation and you brought a breakthrough and a deliverance Lord when they praised and so help us to do this this week help us to balance it out and praise you as we pray and praise you as we read your word and we thank you Jesus this is going to be the best week that we've had all of 2022 so far God it's going to be a home run awesome week these families are blessed these marriages are blessed these kids are doing great at school Lord they've got the peace of God the joy of the Lord everywhere they go in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth can somebody say amen today all right, let's speak some words of faith over Barstow. Let's have Pastor Katie do it because she hasn't done it for a while. She's real good at it. Praise the Lord. <laughs> we declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen.